Hello everybody, welcome back to the Again Podcast. My name is Mel, I'm a football writer, analyst and scout and today I'm joined as always by H, a football content creator that focuses on the beautiful parts. The beautiful parts? The tactical parts of the beautiful game. Wow, I'm finished. You know what, <laughs> boys and girls, listen to this. We are recording, when are we recording? 11.36pm, right. <laughs> wow, the dedication, honestly. Uh, I wish you, you, you know what, I wish people could hear the conversation we have before the podcast begins. Just a little warm up because yeah. me and H, we, you know what me and H do? We basically just debrief about like how busy our life is. Um, yeah, because like a ten-minute catch-up. Yeah, and any any part that's not this little chat here is just so busy and tiring. But <laughs> we're here to talk footy, and we're not here to vent. Although we just did that. So H, yeah. my brother, my 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 good friend, let's talk about. Uh, some of the fixtures that have just gone by, we were going through them as we were planning the general flow of this episode, and um, yeah, loads happened actually um, in in the last week of football. I think we should start on Newcastle versus Liverpool because what a fixture that was. Yeah, um, and yeah, Newcastle took the lead against Liverpool, who then um, went down to ten men. Van Dijk sent off. I think there was a little bit of controversy around that. I think it was probably the right decision. Um, I don't know if you want to land on that point uh, before we do jump into the rest of the game. It's a tough one. I, honestly, it's a really tough one for me. That I, I kind of, I kind of agree. I kind of agreed with it because it was like last line. But I just think when you're looking at like last man, mm. clear, clear goal scoring opportunity. I'm not sure whether or not it was like, like yeah. really. Um, I don't know. I think I think Van Dijk probably would have closed down the angle enough, even if he'd have let the ball roll. Um, but I, I do understand it. I think it was a bit stupid from Van Dijk. Like in, in all yeah. honesty, I think he's an experienced enough defender just to not do that. Um, but in in the end, it, yeah, in the end, the, the red card is what it was. And then I think Liverpool post red card like were very solid. Were yeah. pretty phenomenal. Yeah, pretty phenomenal for having ten men. So yeah, actually, props to them. I actually think that. In a weird, weird way, the ten men and the red card sort of helped Liverpool, and it, it almost nullified yeah. uh, like one of Newcastle's biggest strengths, which is their intensity and also um, also the crowd. Because after uh, after Liverpool went down to ten men and Newcastle were up, there was almost this sort of like not like relaxedness, but like just this contentment that sort of. They're in the driver's yeah. seat. It's not really a massive threat. The crowd sort of like didn't get off their feet too much. Um, and, and they were just probing a bit slowly against this. It's actually relatively impressive Liverpool uh, set defence. And I think if the game was 11 v 11 and it was really aggressive as it was at the start um, and the crowd were really up for it, it would have benefited Newcastle more. Um, but it actually made the game a little bit of yeah. a, a dull affair. And then when Nunes um, came on, he did sort of strike. It was almost like um, you know, it's like sometimes in, in MMA or in boxing where guys sort of feign to be hurt a little bit and then strike. It's, it's a little bit yeah. of that that we saw uh, uh, from Liverpool. And yeah, I thought it was really impressive. I don't know. I don't know how you saw the game. Nah, I, I, that's a perfect analogy for it, I think, because I was just looking at the game and Liverpool were def- defending in like a 4 4 one a 4 4 one rather. Mm. Um, and yeah. it was just a it was just a deep block, and 
Uh, it just felt like Liverpool were hanging on for that moment where they could inject a player like Darwin Nunez in into the game. And as soon as he as soon as he took to the pitch, I said this for quite a while with Newcastle, and I think it, it was a bit more apparent in this game rather than you know past games. But I, I love for all that he's done, but a player like Dan Byrne cannot be in a team that you know needs to start controlling games because in, mm. especially in that second half against Darwin Nunez, I think I understand what he brings to the side, but. He, he got he was absolutely destroyed by Darwin Nunez, and I think most I, I don't really I don't really think there's a left back in the world who could have played in that position who would have with withstood the the onslaught that was Darwin Nunez in in that second half. But I think for me, it's just Newcastle struggled to get a get a grip and kind of kill the game off, and then Eddie Housing game management kind of was a bit naive, thinking the game was done. Mm. Um, you know, kind of taking off Gordon, who was easily their best player. Oh, oh um, I love Anthony Gordon. Yeah. I, yeah. I kind, I kind of, I kind of didn't like how the game ended up like that because I felt like everyone kind of forgot that Gordon performance. Because like midway yeah. through the game, I was kind of, I was kind of looking at my brother going, "This is like one of the best winger performances I've seen this season. Like yeah. this is a two-way winger who's defensively disciplined." Doing doing all the hard yards, he's creating chances. He's, you know, he's getting in behind. He's scoring. He's scoring in the transition goal. as well. Like just, he, he yeah, played just, the pass that got the uh, the red card in the first place as well. Yeah, for for example, yeah, just just stuff like that. But even even when Liverpool sat back in in that four four one, it was like he was still you know getting in behind. He was still making things happen. And I think to take yeah. him off in a game like that was just a bit a bit naive. I think they took Bruno off as well. Um, might have been Jolinton, but they took one of the other two midfielders off. Yeah, and I think Isaac went off as well. Isaac and, and Gordon yeah, were, was the double sub, yeah. I think. I, I really like Callum Wilson. I really do. And he's obviously got a better per 90 um, return in terms of goals uh, in, in comparison to uh, Alexander Isaac. But I think, um, yeah, I think the, the dynamics is completely different. And they were trying to kill the game, but they didn't have the service around Callum Wilson to kind of create them chances. And, and mm. I think he made like the three subs in like the same five, ten minute spell. It yeah, might have it was been a bit all at too once. much. Yeah. Too, too yeah. Much at once and it was just it was just a bit like Yeah, in terms in terms of like having having your first squad in there, but then your second string not being quite up to, you know, killing off the game and, you know, yeah. being consistent, consistent goal threats. I think it kind of did hinder Newcastle. And then when a player like Dan Byrne uh, goes up against a player like Darwin Nunez in a wide channel. You know, it's kind of game over. Um, but I loved, I loved everything about the Darwin Nunez performance. It wasn't even a performance; it was just, a, it was just a goal scoring clinic. Like yeah. he, he didn't do anything really apart from score the two goals. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I really liked Liverpool in that game. I thought in the first half, I think what you said about the red card kind of benefiting Liverpool was something I'd like reiterate because. In the first half, I thought Liverpool pressed quite well, especially in build-up for Newcastle. I thought Liverpool yeah. got right onto them, but it kind of played into Newcastle's hands to make the game a bit more, you know, back to front. Mm. Whereas Liverpool had had a, had enough defensive steel, not in the midfield, but the back line especially played quite well. Uh, we apart saw, from maybe Trent, um, who was a bit shaky. Yeah, on, on the point of Trent, like when the game was a little bit stretched, I think we did see um, like Gordon yeah. getting at at Trent and and. I think Trent could have got red carded on another day. I think the yeah, fact that Van Dijk did get sent off and he sort of played within his block a little bit and the temperature within the stadium sort of simmered down a bit. 
it just meant that like that fieriness and and sort of the the riskiness in the middle that could have got uh, Trent sent off, like it, it was diminished a bit as the game progressed. Like we saw yeah. right at the beginning of the game that that yellow card that Trent got, which I think is like, by the way, as a side point, just a bit rubbish. Like the fact that you can't really show any yeah, real emotion or whatever without yeah. getting. Um, I understand it, but he, he, like he didn't really. I don't know. I, think, I understand yeah. it for time waste. Like kicking away the ball is fine. Like you're kicking away the ball to time waste. That is true. But yeah. like in that in, in that particular instance, I'm not sure. Like it was like, a yellow card's heavy. Was, a yellow card's heavy. Yeah, it's a bit. You know what I mean. I, but I understand it's like it's kind of black and white with these decisions now. And yeah, there's been there's been loads in the championship and below these kind of second yellows for asking for a yellow off a time waste, you know, for holding up the ball, kicking the ball away, stuff like that. But in the Premier League, you're going to start to see it even more because they would they will have to start clamping down on it because as soon as you let one go, they'll yeah. set the foundation for this is the standard and you know what I mean. It's by the book, which is annoying. Like you can't really blame the referees for it. Um, mm. But the fact is, I just think the rules are a bit stupid. I think there needs to be like some subjectivity yeah. within the game. Um, yeah. But then it's like, how subjective can you be? So I don't know. Anyway, I just thought that at that point, like Trent was obviously you know, a bit wound up. I think that's a product of being in that stadium. Um, and then when everything went a bit quiet, it was just a bit like, uh, the game, the game, um, yeah. you know, allowed Liverpool to get into it. I just want to go back to a point, actually. You mentioned Darwin's cameo and what a cameo it was. I think I've mentioned in the past, um, like Darwin Nunes's profile, it suits being a closer to a game. If you're in a winning game state yeah. or if you're holding on a little bit and, and defending space deep, and you want a guy to launch attacks to and and score off of that, Darwin Nunes is really like tailor-made for that game state. And I think we saw that against Newcastle. I think it's important to also recognise the fact that like Darwin Nunes' contributions against Newcastle were very much sort of like one, two-touch, like instinctive kind yeah. of finishes. Um, and, and that's really the way that you're supposed to use him. I think he mentioned something about Bielsa... Um, having a chat with him and pointing out certain things within his game that he can improve on. I think some of those finishes and his contributions were very like Bielsa-esque. If you think about those mm-hmm. Leeds teams that um, that he managed, sort of Bumford in behind, the very instinctive uh, finishes and, and, and vertical play before that. I think it's also impressive the fact that he's shooting a cross goal there because I haven't seen that too much from Darwin. But if he has mm-hmm. that unlocked, like it's very, very, it's almost like a mirror of of how Haaland takes that left foot left sided shot across goal um yeah and it's just impressive that the fact that if you're facilitating for um Darwin in a way that that he can utilize his best qualities i think that's ultimately like good player profiling um and yeah. and if you're sort of expecting him to you know take four five six touches dribble around the box and then try and put something away it's less like his his natural game so i don't know i think Darwin has that sort of quality. He pops up on, in those situations a lot. He just needs to have that game and have, have the game around him catered for him a little bit. And he can put up performances like these, um, you know, really impressively. And and it, it reminds me a little bit about, you know, sort of like really traditional old school nines. Um, and and mm-hmm. they're coming back into favour a little bit, like the Antonio performances of, of the last couple of weeks. Um, Haaland, obviously... Um, sort of the, the the face of of the pure nine again. Uh, who else is there? I'm sure yeah. you'll have names, but I think I saw a tweet yeah. that you one, you mentioned. Um, yeah, of the pure nine is coming back, and 
There's, there must have been another guy that I can't remember on there. You, you're going to need to remind me. Yeah, I think Abby, Abby tweeted something about um, basically old school nines being back. But I think there's just something about them, man. I think uh, something that I've always tried to appreciate, especially in the past year, is, is sides that, you know, and and possessional and in terms of possessional, I'm talking like constant pressure in the final third, and they need to they need to you know bypass the press in a different way, yeah. a different way in the channels, different way in the long balls. And I just I love a striker. There's no other way I can explain it apart from I love a striker who can go up and get it, like go mm. up and get the ball, go up and run proper. a channel and just you know battle, just battle for a ball. Yeah, just yeah. like proper battle for the ball in the channel, and there's nothing more satisfying than it. I think. The Ever- the, that Everton striker, the, the new one from Udinese, Be- uh, Beto, Beto. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah. don't know how you pronounce it yet, but uh, I watched him uh, when he was getting linked to Everton. I watched him at, at Juve mm. um, like a week before he played. The Udinese played Juve and they were struggling to get out and the, the amount of launched balls that were just going into the channels, into wider areas, and he was just battling for them and he's so physical, he's so aggressive, mm. he's so physically dominant. And there's strikers like that now, like Darwin Nunez is, for example, Juan Hoyland's, for example, another. Um, even Nico Jackson. Jackson. Kinda, yeah, yeah. Awane, yeah. They kind of resemble that old school kind of, you can put the ball anywhere across the front line and they'll go up and get it and they'll make the most of these sort of moments. And I think them strikers for me are the best to watch. I don't really like, like Haaland can do that. He does it in different ways. Mm. Um but I just, there's just something about a striker who can make the most out of nothing and be an yeah. outball. And that kind of old school traditional nine, for me, when I watch United now, sometimes we struggle to get out of build up. And I just think, you know, if we had that number nine, like a Hoyland or any other yeah. number nine who goes up and chases these second balls, you know, we'd have it, we'd have a plan B to certain scenarios. And, mm. you know, I just always favor players who can use the body in different ways, you know, who can run certain channels, use players around them bring others into play in that kind of respect and Alwyn is one of the best at doing it um, I love him I, you know what because of his sheer size I said I got a bit of backlash for this but I'm going to double down on it but I said for me after the Manchester City strikers given that Har- uh, not Harlan sorry given that Harry Kane has left the Premier League after the City strikers I think Alwyn is the best nine for me in the league and I think it's like a very it is a hot take I'm not going to lie it's a hot take but I just think it's a very he has, hot take. I think he has everything, honestly. I mm. the first my first watch of only for Forest was like I was so impressed. And I think what, what separates him from some of the other like really big names that are really impressive, obviously, like Jackson's up there, Watkins, um, Ivan Tony's obviously. Watkins is another another guy actually. He's not a pure number nine, but he does all the things I was saying about the yeah. channel running and the fight for second balls. He does that as well, yeah. Yeah, he's incredibly impressive. But I think all of those players have have so many qualities and and can adapt their game to suit so many sides. But I think what we saw from Aouni and especially against United, just the raw ability to like get the ball and just make something happen himself. He carried it the entire pitch, and then yeah, he, he he played that faint, and then obviously Onana dropped, put it aside. Not only that though, because he's wildly impressive as this like outlet counter attacking striker. But I think his inbox movement is. Incredible! I think Ivan Tony can rival yeah. our knee and sort of like hold up and and like uh, play for a, a more transitional game model. But I think in the box, if you watch our knee's movement, it's so impressive. It's like a proper like. Yeah. I think he can translate his game into a team that holds possession uh, for for most of the game. Is is my point? And I think like to be that complete 
is like a very impressive thing, and that's why I put him so highly. Um, yeah, but but there's so many great strikers in the league. I think Antonio's performance against Chelsea and Antonio, then against Brighton. Wow. Wow, we need to like. Well, I, just... don't, I didn't even, I didn't even rate him like that. I always thought that, um, I always thought that West Ham had really bad like um, centre forward profiling. Mm. I always thought that you know instead of going for someone like Skamaka, who I'm an absolute huge fan of, because uh, yeah. he's that type of guy, but not in terms of the way West Ham want to do it. It's a, it's a bit more channel heavy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I you, get think, no, you get you get nothing think, out of West Ham almost like you have to create yeah, you you half have moments to, you have to feed at the halfway scraps. line and it's funny because it's that that Beto was was one I actually said to go to West Ham I actually recommended him for West Ham and Villa mm. um, but yeah I think it's it's a graveyard shift and and to for for Antonio to do what he's doing so far this season he did it last season as well but not as prolifically. Yeah, I think uh, last season was so a bit of a down season. season is. But generally, like over yeah. the course of his career at West Ham, it's such a difficult job that like the fact that he's got anything out of it for the seasons that he has done it is like so impressive. And Skamak is a great player. Ings is a great player. Mm. And none of them can come close to being that actual yeah. sort of profile that makes Moise's system. It's physical. Um, and, and it's physical work. prowess. Yeah, yeah, it's physical prowess. Like, like Skamaka is on the eye a six foot five striker, but when you actually look you at him in depth, he, he moves. He mo- yeah, he moves more like Gabriel Jesus than he does, mm. uh, you know, uh, any other striker. Like he's he's a technical, he's a technical ball to feet kind of guy. And I think, I think yeah, I was sorry, I was gonna say I think there's this clip from Antonio. It might be Filthy Fellas actually. It was Antonio and Filthy Fellas? But he mentioned. Yeah he did mention something about like, not even in a disrespectful way, but he, he mentioned something about when you're a striker in that West Ham side, you have to have this like mentality, belief, like yeah. just this ability to know that oh, I can go wrong or you can be uninvolved for like so much of the game and still have the persistence and the drive and, and like almost the delusion to just to keep going and going. And Skamaka, incredible technical player and we've seen great quality from him in the past mm. but like he just doesn't have that like relentlessness um yeah in his mentality that that Antonio has which is so impressive to me like yeah. I, I have to commend it yeah I think that's that's one of the, that's one of the points with with these with these kind of old school number nines is just a just a sheer relentlessness and they le- they lean so much on their physical edge like everything about them, like they they might not be the most technical players in the forward line. Like they they might not be, but they know that 50, 50, 50 when it comes shoulder to shoulder. It's not even fifty fifty with Antonio because he's one of the you yeah. know, most strongest players in the league. But is you know you, you give yourself a physical edge over any over any player, and as long as you can get in a situation where it's fifty fifty, it doesn't matter if you're going up against a Van Dyke or a Canate or a, you know a Ruben Diaz. You know these these proper you know physical defenders, Saliba for example, Gabriel. Like you you know that if you know that ball gets played into the right area, that you can make the most of that. And there's just yeah. something so satisfying about a striker who can do that. Um, you know. And I'm not sure if it's just because I've been deprived so long of a centre forward United, <laughs> and we have someone who can sort of do that now. Yeah, but I'm yet to still see him in a United shirt. But mm. I think one one of the best examples I actually had I meant, I meant to say this earlier. Um, 
Brentford went away to Liverpool last season, late on in last season, and yeah. Ivan Tony produced one of the best back to goal performances I've ever seen in my He's life. So I'm not even joking. Goal, honestly, so good. Back it, to goal. Uh, that Liverpool away game last year for Brentford, he honestly, it was the cleanest, most purest back to goal performance I've ever seen from a striker. It was mm. ridiculous what he was doing with it, and he was doing it against Canati and Van Dijk, and I was just sat there and I was thinking. Just give the ball this guy against any centre for any centre half, and back to goal he can do what he wants, and yeah, he does it yeah, with flair yeah. as well. Like he drags the ball, he flicks the ball. Like mm. he's just physically, technically, like them sort of players are just so good to watch. Just yeah. like unbelievable to watch. I think if, if we're talking about like almost the the point of of these kind of strikers, and and maybe these nines coming more into into play at at this point within the game, I think. Ultimately, like teams are, are at least in the Premier League, teams are like really rich. There's an abundance of resources in terms of scouting, in terms of player quality, in terms of manager quality, tactics in general. They're almost they're not the same, but like like the level of of tactics implemented by teams is almost becoming similar in in certain areas. You got you're seeing similar yeah. shapes, similar like pressing schemes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Ultimately, like you're trying to find little areas within the game where you're going to get like superiority and, and, and advantages and at the level of individuals, like I think that's like a really important and obvious way you're going to get any sort of like advantage when sort of systems and, and um, like team value becomes relatively similar. And, and when you've got really physical strikers, you can make that 50, 50, like you mentioned into like an 80, 20, and that's already giving you that individual edge that you can exploit when the rest of the game might be 50-50 everywhere yeah. else. And you can yeah. either do it through physical advantages or you can do it from like purely technical advantages. And we've seen that with City when sort of teams try and press them in the build-up. City will always be able to get out yeah. because uh, you've got John Stones, you've got Ruben Diaz, you've got Guardiola, you've got Kovacic now, Bernardo Silva, Nunes. You've got all these guys that have like Nunes. technical super yeah i mean crazy in it you've got technical superiority that means they all win their individual 1v1s on the ground and then if you really look at city from a squad building perspective they've also got that physical superiority nunez yeah rodri stones diaz um harlan like they're giants as well like city are really trying to maximize every single fine margin that they have and i think that's just the perfect way to build a squad at the moment. Brentford have done it from yeah. a sort of like physical, individual perspective as well. Like all these teams that are performing above their means and City have a, like a huge amount of means, but teams that are just generally performing above their means, they're all like doing it on the basis of having specialist traits and, and maximising them at each small level and then over the course of a team or a season, like that massively adds up. So it's interesting that yeah. nines are moving in that sort of direction, but to me, it makes a lot of sense. And and especially when you have all of that build up yeah. in the first third, go long, find your man, and then you're you're yeah. free. And I do want to speak about mm. sorry the West Ham Brighton game. I don't know if you caught it, but yeah, I think it doesn't like there's not a game that illustrates the point that we're talking to or and, and have been talking about in yeah. the last sort of five ten minutes. Then that game because obviously we saw Brighton's massive technical quality. Um, but West Ham just set off and it, it was a bit of a David Moyes masterclass um, because it nullified their build yeah. up and then they did spring um, but yeah what, what, what did you think of that because I didn't see 
I didn't see too much Moyes prop on the timeline. I think maybe that's because no. he, he, do, he doesn't do the numbers, but genuinely really impressive. Yeah, I, I, I think it kind, of, it kind of alludes back to the point we were just making there, how, in, in my opinion, with this current United team, and you can, you can apply it to West Ham on a bigger scale, you know, would I would you know you'd rather go to long to these sort of profiles rather than trying to play out against a team that's just going to you know cave you in and co- mm. consistently just sustain pressure on top of your head. And I think there's there's like a difference. I think it's going it's growing more and more prominent in like in past weeks and months. It's like possession doesn't necessarily mean danger or territory or you know, how much they are dominating the game anymore. I think it just, it doesn't even mean control anymore, which you could mm. argue in, in a lot of cases is, is is the mainstay. And I think in in that game, Brighton were, were actually very good with possession. Like they, they weren't under creating chances for the possession. They were actually creating a lot of chances, uh, but they were just, it was just enough for West Ham to withhold. And I think yeah. for every, every possession that, that Brighton had, Every thirty minutes, West Ham had one out ball in response yeah. to that, and that one out ball left them three v three. And they've got players like Bowen, Antonio, Paqueta, even Ben, ben Rama. Ben Rama, I think he's like been. These. Yeah, I think I think Ben Rama has been really impressive uh, in like since Rice's departure because he's carried this like ball carrying responsibility that that Rice used to have yeah. so much of, and I think he's done it really well because as a winger, it makes more sense to take a bit of a risk and, and carry it from uh, the wing forward. I think Rice has so much quality as a ball carrier, but there's almost a, a limit to how far you can carry it when you are also the guy who's screening the defence. Upon, uh, by the way, your point that you mentioned about West Ham just being able to hold out enough, I've mentioned before that yeah. I feel like certain teams, I, I feel like teams who have possession loads, they, they're sustaining possession and applying pressure and at a certain point, that amount of sustained pressure will break down any low block. But I think certain yeah. low blocks have like almost... Imagine if you imagine like a game and there's like a, a health bar. I think certain teams just yeah. have a natural tendency to have like more health in that bar. So it requires way more yeah. sustained pressure to like break them down. So I always think yeah. Athletes, Athletes low block, I think... yeah, If you apply sustained pressure in possession in the final third against... Uh, let me pick a random team. Uh, Aston Villa. It's a bad team to pick because they're Emery side, but like, let's say Aston Villa pre-Emery. I think yeah. if you apply pressure to the, that team for half an hour, you might score. And if you apply that same amount of pressure for like 90 minutes, you wouldn't score against, yeah. um, you wouldn't score against Athletic. And I think West Ham have this side now. It's like the perfect sort of Moyes side and it's almost... Like I don't want to say it feels like a what maybe the initial plan for Moyes at United would have been, but like it's an electric yeah. counter attacking side. There's like these mammoth centre backs who head everything clear. You've got like hardworking, um, you know, full backs. You've got these yeah. like tricky wingers that also work hard. You've got Paqueta, um, the sign Kudus recently actually, um, Alvarez. Who was the third midfielder? Um, Bob Prowse. Ward Prowse, wow! I thought Ward Prowse has an excellent game as well. But you've got all of these players yeah, now, phenomenal. That just really suit this system, and and like, yeah. it, it's kind of a testament to to West Ham because it's very like 
atypical to, to what the league's trending towards, but it looks all yeah. right at the moment. Yeah, I kind of liked it because I think they tried to go so far across the other way last season with signings like Skamaka, for example, and um, mm. even even Aguard, who's a brilliant box defender for sure, but yeah. he's obviously got the ball pay, ball playing you know capabilities to to make that next step. And they signed another player who kind of stemmed towards. I mean, Paqueta's kind of that kind of guy as well, who's a bit more possessional. Because he can uh, do both he starts, city. Ah, it wouldn't yeah, be so good. That was fun. Because he, he's so good out of possession, it kind of fell, fell right into David Moyes' hands. But I think I kind of liked how they reverted back to this style. It Obviously, on the eye, it, people may, may seem that it's not sustainable, blah, blah, blah. You know, this I kind of understand it. I, I, you know, I, I do always try and take the, the fact that they've just beat one or two teams. But, you yeah. know, it, it, is a, it is a style like it. It's another style that works just as well as someone else's style might do, and as long as that style has the certain profiles, that you can mm. maximize any performance out of it. And I think yeah. that's that's what they're doing right now. And like you said, with the health bar, and that's what I almost feel like West Ham have become. I feel yeah. like you get moments where you get in behind West Ham's last line, and they they, uh, they try and cut it back, but there's just enough bodies there that it just becomes too messy. Or and Ariola had a like great game as well. Stuff. Yeah, like, and it says a lot about it because Brighton's goal, it was 3-1 when it, uh, mm. Brighton's goal, Pascal Gross, it was literally a pop shot from the edge of the box that went into the side netting that was like a, that was arrowed in. Mm. And know, I just I think, think that, that if you take... Sorry, I was just going to say, I think that's like, it speaks nicely to our, our point about like having specialist players who, who have like yeah. certain things that will give you a percentage like superiority because Gross, um, as, a, as a player... He's incredible with that long shot. Like we saw it a few times in the game against um, yeah. against West Ham. But like that sort of quality we see with Martin Odegaard, we see it with Rodri as well. Like it almost feels to like a casual viewer or someone who's not massively tapped in that like, oh, it's just almost a lucky kind of shot. But when the teams yeah. are packing their box, the space then does become outside of the box. And if you've got someone who can make use of that space, even if it's in a unfavorable area, then, yeah, like that's a very viable method of scoring. Yeah, I think that kind of that, that that really does make sense because when when a low block gets low, I think one of I said this under a tweet uh, recently, but one of my favorite pieces of movement is when players peel off from the low block in terms of not following the the goal in, like going into the goal mm. mouth, but almost mm. pulling off to the the penalty spot and the edge of the D and stuff like that. And that kind of movement is my favorite one because. When I used when I used to play football, like I used to love it when I seen someone peel off at the edge of the box. It was like because you, you, you're always free. A centre half is never gonna stop the run. As yeah. you know, if a winger goes one be one, and they beat if they beat the fullback and they take it to the line, that centre half is never gonna st- stay high. He's the always da- gonna the throw da- the ball the, in. The dangers either where the striker is, and more more often than not, the yeah. strikers in the six yard. Like if it's imagine you're you're defending Erling Haaland, you're gonna put two three yeah. men on him. You're always following but, the goal in. Yeah. And then also just the area, like there's gravity by zone as well, by the six yard box. Yeah. You're, you're associated with danger and you want to protect your net as well. So yeah. it, it just makes so much sense to have like the Rodri's. I think Rodri w- might score 10, if not more. Yeah. This is why, goals this, this this one of the reasons why I actually think that Declan Rice could be a serious goal threat this season because it, well, he showed it against, um, in the first game, Forest. When mm. when he plays as that left when he plays as that left centre midfielder in that in that diamond when they're trying to do something with Havertz, um, 
and and party does take up the natural six. He he does have that license, and he's shown it against Crystal Palace. He made this really nice run against Crystal Palace, and I uh, drawn some sort of chance. But he had he had one against Forest where he just he just ended up on the other edge of the day. But I think it was Saka took it to the line, and the whole uh, the whole uh, Nottingham Forest block just dropped, and it left so much yeah. space for him on the edge, and he hit the post. And them sort of chances, like Casemiro's really good at doing that because he's he's almost an eight anyway because of how yeah. forward he likes to go. But when you combine that with like just sniffing out chances, sniffing out space, and uh, ball striking on top of it, which obviously uh, Declan Rice and Casemiro are top at, it's like. There is a there is an, an uncapped limit for how much a, a defensive midfielder can score from that. So obviously, Rodri scored yeah, against Inter yeah. like that as well uh, in think, the Champions League final. So I think it might be one of the reasons why City. Like obviously, I'm a City fan, um, but one of the reasons why we are targeting these ball carrying like central midfielders, Kovacic, Nunes, Bernardo Silva can obviously play in there, Foden as well. Um, just because that that very like vertical movement from players either side of someone like Rodri, for example, it pushes the defense back in the same way that attacking the byline might, and sometimes it might be difficult to um, hit the byline, especially for like the profile of wingers that we do have. So imagine you have like a Mateus Nunes, if he can push back from a central area the the opposition's line, you then free up the space in front of them for Rodri yeah. to shoot or clip a ball to the winger or whatever and I think like it's an interesting thing that I think it is probably where where the game's trending but like Manchester City as always are like probably tapped into it first and uh, have signed two of the best ball carrying uh, two of the best ball carrying central midfielders in the league Um, so it's like really impressive in that way I do I am a bit wary of time so so I think we should Hmm. move on to talk about next week and by next week I mean like in a few days uh, fixture yeah we'll talk about a big one uh, Man United versus Arsenal and we've to be fair we've been, we've been touching uh, upon like themes within both teams throughout this episode um, but big game big game I think um, yeah and, I, and, and to be fair I don't think either team have been massively um, sort of up to standard I think Arsenal have been good so far in terms of control and like uh, minimizing chances, I think their fluidity in attack has been a bit questionable. Uh, I think United have been. I mean, I, I'll let you speak on United. To be fair, um, <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I don't know, man. I think this is a big game. It is early doors, but how, how yeah. do you see it panning out? And, and at least, um, at least we can discuss a little bit about like the themes and like sort of important matchups individually um, going going into that fixture. Yeah, I think I, I have a lot of head loss as soon as a United game starts and finishes because I'm just I'm so emotionally invested. You're a real but, human being. <laughs> yeah, but I've tried I've tried to watch both game, or not both games, but all the games back twice, um, mm. and try and do it a bit more unfiltered. Brother, my brother, you I need know. to like respect yourself sometimes a little bit more. You know what I mean? That is a long <laughs> I need day. To respect my own sanity. <laughs> yeah. So that's what times two speeds for. To be fair, it only takes oh, up yeah. forty five minutes. You know what I mean? But <laughs> nah, I, I did. I did try watching uh, all the games back. The, the Spurs one I watched back with a closer eye than than the others. But um, I, I've I've been relatively happy. I think it sounds it sounds really bad because when you look at it on the eye, 
Wolves Wolves at home was an absolute disaster in terms of mm. the, the the performance. But the first half against Spurs was some of the actually best football okay. I've yeah, seen us play in recent. Good. Yeah, some of the best performances I've seen us put in in the past month, or not months, but months gone by in terms of last season. But then Nottingham Forest was a complete like sustained pressure, just yeah, just really like going at the low block, a lot of patterns, a lot of chances created, multiple chances to score. We weren't just scoring the three chances we created. Um, but yeah, it was just, just the, the two goals in the first five minutes, which the second one's purely down to Wambasaka's positioning and the first one's just a counter-attack against that winning, which we spoke about and yeah. we just didn't deal with the with the landing of the aerial duel. But the, the Wolves that, game... Yeah. Yeah, I think the Wolves games, the caveat to that one is because of just the the level of carrier they had in the midfield and the way they wanted to press in that first in that first half, especially. Yeah, it was just very like wanted to go too high against very nimble midfielders. It was probably like the worst midfield pairing to come up against. To you know, what turn by the like way, that. My guy, uh, Yao Yao Gomez. Ah, oh, been a big fan yeah. since since the Flamengo days. Him yeah. and. Um, who else is that? Pedro, their striker. Oh, I love them, honestly. Yeah. And also, nah, by the just, way, Lamina, great signing. He's been a great signing for them. And you've got my, yeah, I've got I, my Wolves prop out there. <laughs> <laughs> Wolves fans will yeah, know, by the way, just, I love just, them. Yeah. I, I Well, I've got a thing for Sasa Kalazic. I said Sasa Kalazic oh, could yeah. have been a good, a good striker for United, but you know, we don't get him. He got an ACL, and now he's got two and two. So, I, mm. you know, I just leave that there. But, um, but nah, I, th- I think this, the first half against Tottenham gave me a lot of encouragement. Like yeah. our PPDA this season has been incredible. Like the the highest we've ever seen. We've got the most turnovers in the final third in the league. Um, and you know, we're, we're pressing really high. And I think honestly. I think the press has been the most encouraging part of our, our season. Like mm. the one thing that I'm that I'm bothered about is Casemiro's flat footedness. I don't think he's up to speed in terms of the intensity. I don't think he's up to full fitness. And I think he plants his feet too much, gets rolled too easily, or you know, he's, he's eager to commit fouls. But I think he is covering a lot Mount of space. Bruno, though, of course, of course, yeah. I think Mount Bruno are performing what they are needed to perform out of possession, especially just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I think Nottingham Forest was a different sort of game. We didn't need that kind of energy um, in the front line well, to press. Yeah, they, they don't really build yeah. out. So that that was more of a possessional based game. And for possessional based wise, we we were really good. We you know we didn't struggle to break down any sort of block. Mm. But they are a, they are a really poor organised side. Uh, Forest. I, like, I love them for what they try and do in offence, but. Um, uh, yeah, just just really just really poor organization at the back. I think the shapes just always miscombobulated. But mm. you know, it, it, you're coming from two 0 You're coming from two 0 down. In any case, it's a good result. Um, yeah, and I think I'm, I'm really, I'm really, we really get to see the best United team. I think we've had a certain things happen in, in the game so far that are just a bit, you know, iffy almost, mm. just a bit like. But I, I really do think that the the signs of encouragement for United this season are there. But this 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 Arsenal game at the weekend is going to be um, a pretty torrid watch, I think, for me. Um, do you think? Yeah, I, um, I just see. I don't see us getting anything at all out of it. You know what, though, Rashford left wing. I'll always, I'll yeah, always that, have that's, faith in that. That's the only thing. Left wing. The fact that I'm going into the game with with that in mind is is, is good. 
because obviously like Hoyland could play, which could give us more, you know, more pace in behind. And that last mm. line, we've got Bruno, long passing. But I'm just looking at the back four that weekend. I'm looking at hungry forwards for Arsenal. I can I can mm. already see it happening now. I can already see it happening. Kai Havertz is going to score against United. The weekend. <laughs> the script is I'm not even joking. I'm not, I'm just not so even written. joking. Who's yeah. on that John, side? John McKenzie tweeted something about that, like about the script set up perfectly for this for this game. It's just too script- much to unfold that one of them doesn't fall into place. Yeah, like yeah. Highlands Highlands starting. Havertz and Rice are either one of them or both are going to score. Lissandro or one of the fullbacks is getting Mason Mount. Actually, no, is Mason Mount out? He's injured, isn't it? Yeah, he's out still. Mm. We've got a brand new keeper, for example. Anthony's probably going to try and do some spinning or something. He's actually, he's actually really good against Forrest. I, really I thought that as well, Forrest, by the way. Yeah. The thing is, I, yeah. I see a lot of criticism for Anthony, but I think like it's almost just because he's a bit like... He's almost just a bit like when when he's bad, he's he's not terrible, but he's yeah. just not not. He's just very yeah. middle of the ground sometimes, and it's easy to get annoyed. His at that. ceilings, his ceilings, not like it's not it's not a play. You can't look at Anthony and think that he can be world class one day. Because in my opinion, and I think in your opinion as well, that, that player cannot be that level because of his limited skill set in terms of like the stuff he can do maybe in the right environment with players around him maybe yeah but i think that that player in isolation doesn't have enough tools in his skill set to become one of the best in the world I and think I, I don't see us he uh, yeah. can, uh, well i don't know I, I think he can be i think he can be a starter and a, a good starter in a team at the highest level but i think what mm. united fans want and what a lot of fans want especially from their wingers and from their attackers is like genuine sort of superstar individual quality which I don't think he can provide with too much consistency but as an individual Mm. footballer like I do like him and I think it might come as a surprise to some people given the the general like criticisms I do hear of him Um, but I think sort of as this probing like sort of like right winger that moves inside and and like I will say that that face of dribbler is decent yeah I will say for me I still prefer him to Sancho. I, I will say that because, in my yeah. opinion, out of possession, he's he's far better, far mm. far better than than any of our wingers. To be fair, Garnacho's yeah. getting there, but that's just because he's being trained under Ten Hag. But in terms of the out of possession stuff, he's definitely the the most hard working winger we've had at the club in years. And yeah. I feel like I always value that side because I know that Eric Ten Hag values that. Mm. Um, and ultimately, if you're a good pressing side, like. The turnover, especially with Hoyland sort of like leading the press, I think like the turnovers yeah. will lead to goals, especially like later on in the season when teams tire a little bit. It's a very like yeah. sensible, um, like he created a chance for a byline dribble. So like that, that for oh, me hey. is enough. Like, I, like what I a day that, that is, yeah, like, mate. We got uh, we got a Rashford assist and a Rashford penalty, both off byline dribbles. Football is back. They're bring yeah yeah the traditional be- wingers, beautiful game, proper nines, yes. Strong defenses and, and long balls. I can't. There's gonna be there's gonna be like a Serie A team or a league gun team who's gonna start playing four four two with two Classic. massive strikers, and I'm just gonna be there every you know week. Um, just just before we wrap up, I do want to say like I think the side that City put out last game, very very traditional it, Barclays English, very English, yeah. Alvarez Holland, like Alvarez is obviously playing second striker in that like De Bruyne role. It's like the like, crouch, uh, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's big man, little man. And then mm. the only difference is like our wingers are not like the traditional left foot, right foot like Giggs Beckham. It's more like... But you, are, but you have got Doku. Yeah, we do. I don't know for how much so we'll, we'll use him. But like, I do like that we've got that profile back in. Mm. Um, but other than that, we played a flat back four and a back four that's basically like all centre-backs plus Kyle Walker. Mental. Yeah. Uh, and then we have... Uh, who did we have? We had Kovacic Rodri, which is like the most... Pure Barclays, That's like, the like most 2008. Pairing. Yeah, it's like Carrick scores. It's just a set yeah, and, like, and a box to box. Yeah, I love it. And then um, the only difference is sort of the profile of the wingers, which is like we have like sort of like ball retention wingers out there. Yeah. Uh, and then this big man, little man up top, which is like, yeah. For for as much as Guardiola's changed football and the Premier League and English, like he's English kind football, of adapted. He's to the, he's, he's been he's changed by it changed. as well, isn't it? Yeah. Um, which is a bit mental, but I love it. Um, we'll see what the season says. We'll call this episode wraps 45 minutes-ish on the dot. Wow. I'm not going to lie. We had a we had a, um, we had had a a little like checklist of what we want to talk about and we hit it perfectly. Boys, I don't... Listen, yeah, normally so, uh, we go so off I've done that. I'm not going to wow. lie. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's a... Yeah, we're informed today. That's you like know, we should, we should film at 2 a.m. next time. We might do everything yeah. 10 times better. I um, might be asleep. <laughs> I need to stay awake. i got a night I'm sleeping, in my, I'm sleeping in my clothes tonight. I'm so tired. Oh, there once. I literally did that like two days ago. Um, and when I woke <laughs> up, like all my lights were still on. Like I literally didn't sort anything out. I just woke up and I was like, what? like it was like I was in a dream. Um, anyways, yeah. to prevent our, our good listeners um, from listening to any more of this drivel, we will wrap up this episode appreciate uh everybody listening as always if you are listening on any podcast platforms do give it um a follow do give it a five star rating and if you're watching this on youtube uh hit the subscribe button and and yeah give us a little like give us a little comment and let us know um what you want to hear us talk about in next week's and again podcast see you soon